Welcome to So You're Kind of a Big Deal, a weekly podcast deep diving into the lives of emerging and established tattoo artists. Listen in as we dig into origin stories, industry hot topics, and what it takes to survive in the world of tattooing. This is Tattoo Shop Talk. It's funny, it's crass, inspiring, and sometimes we get it right. Join your hosts, Sean Headley and Dave Allen, every week as we host a new guest. True North Strong Tattoo Book. This is a massive tattoo encyclopedia of Canadian tattooers. 350 pages. It's an 11 by 17 coffee table format. Sean and Dan worked tirelessly to get this thing out. And sadly, it never made it to print. So it's available for free download at theholdfastsocialclub.com and championtattoo.ca. Everyone knows Dave and I have a good guy connection, but we also have that with most respected supply companies. Working alongside Lucas at Classic Tattoo, I saw firsthand the blood, sweat, and pressure he was under to provide top quality products. He knew I'd shit all over his ideas if they sucked. He also knew that many online would follow suit. Being passionate and having a deep connection to producing products your peers will use and love is no small task. With Lucas, Rob, and Natalie at the helm, you know exactly what you're getting. High quality products, fairly priced with excellent customer service. Shop, support, good guy supply. Social Club presents So You're Kinda a Big Deal with your hosts Sean Headley and Dave Allen. Yeah. We can blur you out if you'd like. I can, <laughs> pixelate, I can pixelate your face and you can be our mystery guest. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Can you guess who it is? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to, uh, just before we get into like all the history and other stuff like that, I just need to bring this up because you posted a video the other day of you printing cards for the elderly. Okay. Yeah. Is that your, is that your own press? Like, is that your, is that a, what is it? A Hilden, Haldenberg? Uh, well, you're, you're, you're talking about a Heidelberg. Um, but that's Heidelberg. Not, yeah. I, I have, I have two, no. uh, I have a Chandler and Price. 
um, which is a platen press. And then I have a Vandercook that's a cylinder press. Um, and kind of nice. like I rebuilt that Chandler and Price. Uh, oh, man, I must have rebuilt that back in like 15. Um, and I ended up giving that to my wife. Wow. So that's technically her press. Um, and then I have a Vandercook okay. that I print on that's more like a more like a proofing press. Um, so it's not it's yep. not it's not like a, it's not the kind of press that you would do a ton of things on. Um, more like art. No. Can you do foil press on that and stuff? We, so actually well, that one do the foil. My, my wife hit me up like two days ago. I was like, we need to get a hot foil press. And I was like, all right. Like, <laughs> here, here I go again. Okay. Just so people. Yeah. Sorry. So, so the whole reason why I brought this up is because a couple episodes ago where Dave made me talk about myself is that I actually got trained on those presses on a like jail release program. <laughs> <laughs> oh nice okay yeah 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 just old school printing i mean it used to be a really common, yeah, yeah like i mean i meet i meet guys that are like master printers all the time you know what i mean they're you know in their 60s yeah. they're in the 70s but that's just all they did um there, yeah. there's that's just they ran presses man because that was yeah that was how everything they're so out. cool he said they're awesome yeah yeah, yeah they're, i probably rewatched that video so many times just because of the sound yeah, you know, it's just like that ASMR kind of comforting thing. Like I was like, and oh when man. It, so when it gets going, because we have to, we have to slow it down. There, there's like a foot brake you can you can have to slow the wheel down. Yeah, uh, which I just have never put on. I have it. I need to assemble it, but I haven't put it on. <laughs> we just slow the wheel down with our hand. But if you let it just open up and run, um, it creates this like growl that's the craziest sound. It's like super asmr like just this this mechanical growl it's so cool you know yeah yeah, yeah. so cool. are you doing all your prints that way or is this just a special project you're working on uh no um i mean i still like if i'm if i work on a painting i'm just gonna do a digital you know g clay print or whatever um, i'm actually working yeah, on yeah. a painting right now that's a commission job that's gonna be screen printed um, but typically I'm just going to do like a G clay. Um, nice. Okay. And then, you know, the, the, so, all the letter press stuff is so, okay. So with the platen press, my wife does letter press. She does wedding invitations and business suites. And like, that's like her bread and butter. Um, I make art, you know, art on my press, which means <laughs> I, I don't really use it that often, to be honest. Like I haven't, I mean, I've made some stuff, but no one, no one gets it. No one understands what it is. So I'll do like a super complicated, like four or five plate run. And when people see it, they're like, eh, kind of flat, you know, it's like, whatever. <laughs> like, I, I don't, of course. I, unless you're really into like lithography or serographs or, you know, some intaglio, like, unless you already understand like archival, like hand printmaking, you just, and so, I mean, yeah. honestly, it's almost like woodblocks, right? Like most people, yeah, sure. like Americans or, or, you know, Westerners, they see woodblock printing and they're like, ah, it's kind of goofy, kind of flat. And you're just like, oh, what are you <laughs> talking about, man? It's like, you're it's missing so it. Complicated and it's so cool. And they just, it's lost on them. Yeah. They just, they don't understand that it's printed on blocks of wood. Like they don't they have no concept. No, the process from everybody, you know, like I think all printing these days is hidden from people right they just yeah they think they think good lettering is vinyl lettering you know they think good printing right. is like 
out of a computer that right yeah that processes in yeah, yeah like the guy west that works for me you know he's still doing like the super intricate like lino cutouts rolling the ink on it and then like the weighted press on the back because he's doing like big fucking ones and i'm just like dude, he's like i'm so tired and sore from pressing these things <laughs> by hand like yeah yeah people look at them and are like cool <laughs> So, I mean, the other day when I was printing those cards for the elderly or whatever, it was like, I don't know, probably six hours of printing. Uh, my shoulder was out for like three days. You know, it's just like, it's brutal how explain hard. Explain what these prints are. What's Can that? you explain what these prints are for the other? For someone well, who might not just, have seen it. little like, like cards, like encouragement cards, you know. Yeah, oh, like okay. you are loved. It said you are loved, the ones that we were printing. Yeah, Very yeah they're just, they're just yeah. cards for people to... I mean, there's a huge elderly population in Florida, right? Um, yeah. So there's, you know, all these. <laughs> so I'm, I'm in a group and they're, you know, doing a, uh, you know, on Saturdays we show up and have coffee with them and just hang out. Give them a little card. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. You have yeah. so much stuff on the go. It's crazy. Like, uh, there's the no stuff so I think. It's crazy. There's no free time. So. No, the the latest thing that uh, seems to be eating up most of your time is this table. Like, wh yeah, why would you not just build. Why would you not just build a table for yourself and be like, "Fuck it, the tattoo world doesn't need tables." Yeah, I mean, and that's that's, that's I don't know. That's probably where I'm actually going to go with it because, uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to sit on here and like, harp, into on, it. harp on negatives either, but I'm going to. Um, no, it's almost yeah. like <laughs> shipping that thing must be crazy. It's insane. It's insane. And the problem is, is it's just like when you guys make a painting, right? Everybody, you know, is like, oh man, make a print of that. I want to grab one. And then you make prints and no one grabs one. You know what I mean? You end up with a bunch of <laughs> prints in your, you know, it's like, cool. Where'd everyone go? You know? Um, yeah. It's a, how much? Yeah, you know, what I've learned with the table project is, that, and, and I would actually like to discourage people from doing it because it is such a pain in the ass. It is like, it's a super expensive thing. I mean, I've built two of these now and they're just, they're so expensive to build. They're expensive to build. They're bulky. <laughs> and at the end of the day, if you, if you don't have the fortitude to stand up all day and work, it's just a, it's a, it's a piece of garbage. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't work for sitting. Yeah. So what happens I, is I, people, I noticed. Go ahead. Sorry, go on. Like what, what, what I, just no, I was just going to say, I did notice a few years ago that you stand. Yeah, all the time. How, how long have you been standing and tattooing full time? I think 11 years. Jesus. Yeah. That's yeah. a lot. Why did that come about? Is that just, I just back I, issues I, like the rest I, of us? Or? My back was destroyed. I couldn't, you know, I couldn't work. And, and part of it was just from me being unhealthy, you know, like, um, I had a terrible workaholic syndrome in my twenties and thirties. And so I would just tattoo every chance I got and I would paint all night, every night. So if I was awake, I was sitting in a chair doing something art related, you know? Um, yeah. And that was just terribly detrimental on my health. So my thirties, I couldn't, I was going to have to quit tattooing. Like I couldn't, I couldn't sit down. So I started standing up. Cause I had no other choice. If I wanted to keep working, I had to stand up. So I built, I built the table yeah. and then all these other tattooers start pouring out where they're like, Hey man, 
my back's wrecked. Like that thing helped you like help me get one. And so I helped a handful of people build them. Um, but what I, you know, what I found is some people really enjoy standing up and some people like the idea of it and they're not going to do it. Cause it's a lot of work. Man. You go home at night, <laughs> you're just wiped out. Like your feet hurt. You know, it's, oh. it's harder on your lower back. Um, it's hard on your neck. So it's, it's not like yeah. a complete problem solver. There's other problems that pop up, you know? Absolutely. No, but what I like about standing, I stand maybe half the time is that you, you're not static. You know, when you're sitting, you're pretty static and you're cramped up. And yep. you know, at least when you're standing, you're walking around the table a little bit, you're like bending your legs, you're, yeah, I find it's much easier on the body, much easier. Oh, I don't I tattoo mean, the hours you do, but yep, I don't. I mean, I don't work crazy me. anymore. Like I, I fixed that. Um, like I'm not, Smart. I'm not the obsessive workaholic anymore. You know, uh, but I have to force myself to be. No, bad. yeah, <laughs> except that you're always doing stuff. <laughs> you're always doing. You're not I the excessive obsessive yeah. tattooer anymore. Correct. <laughs> no, your work life balance has become an obsession. It sounds. like. <laughs> oh totally i have to schedule like time to relax you know it's funny oh that's, yeah. that's all. <laughs> all right well, let's let's rewind it here a little bit and actually get you to introduce yourself to the people that may not know who you are yeah. um go ahead I, my name is phil holt and uh i tattoo in tampa florida um that's that's about it that's it perfect <laughs> Let's start there. When did you start tattooing? Oh, uh, I, at, at 96. That's probably the best way to say it. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. what was, what got you interested in tattooing to where you like some of us, you know, early exposure to yeah. body suits yeah. and tattoos and bikers and shit like that. Yeah, was it that exactly. kind of story? You were you yeah, art kid the whole time? I was about 12 or 13 and my brother started bringing home like uh, outlaw biker magazines and, you know, that sort of thing. He's a couple years older than me. And also he tattooed for about 20 years. Um, and he, yeah, he started bringing home, you know, outlaw biker magazines. And I think he liked the motorcycles and titties. And I liked, uh, I liked the tattoos. I just remember being like, wow, like that's something else. So, you know, just got fascinated with it super young. Yeah. And then uh, yeah. when I was in high school, I, um, I, I had a friend, uh, kind of older guy. You know, I was 15, 16 years old. He was 26, 27. Um, and at some point he was just kind of like, it wasn't like a formal apprenticeship, but he was just like, man, if you want to kind of, you know, shadow me and just kind of pick up what you can, like, I'll help you out. And, you know, we were pretty, pretty down and out. Like, I'm not going to sing songs of poverty, but we were pretty pretty thin when I was a kid. So, you know, he felt, he felt bad and was like, man, like this is this kid's like only chance. So he kind of let me kind of hang out and yeah. pick up some tricks. And I started tattooing and immediately after that, this, this is in Florida. Are you born and raised Florida? No. So I grew up in uh, Minnesota, um, out in the farmland. Okay. Oh, shit. Yeah, moved to, moved to Florida when I was 15 and then uh, immediately met this guy Reed and he showed me some stuff and tattooed here. I started tattooing here and then I moved to Ohio, uh, worked there for a couple of years and I worked in Chicago for a couple of years. Then I moved How old to you when you started tattooing. What's that? How old were you when you started tattooing? It sounds like 18. you were, should still be in high school. <laughs> yeah. Eight, yeah. 18. Yep. 
So, yeah, but I mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, the, 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 the start for me wasn't like, um, clear. It wasn't, it wasn't like a clear cut. You know what I mean? Like I was 18. I had, you know, my head firmly up my ass. I didn't know what I was doing. And so I just, you know, ran around and it was like, you know, crusty punk rock kind of, you know, tattooing local skater kids and just whatever I could until I finally, you know, got a job, you know, working at like a legitimate studio, which took probably about a year and a half to get like, you know, a job. I worked at a couple of studios, but they were all, you know, um, no one was teaching me or showing me anything. So it took a couple of years to like land in a studio where I was actually learning, you know, so so those early years in your tattooing, was it, were you aware of what was going on in tattooing in the industry at large? Or were you just like, just doing your own thing and being a, a typical skate punk kid? No, nah, I mean, a bit for, you know, Florida's always been, you know, behind the times and kind of, you know, I, I feel like Florida's always about 10 years behind, you know, the rest of the, the world, or at least with tattooing, it's always kind of lagging behind. But the guy, the guy that kind of got me into tattooing, he was from New York um, and he was just a, you know, diehard custom tattooer. Like, you know, he was super enamored with, you know, guys like Timothy Hoyer and Rob Koss and Philip Blue. And so I got introduced to those guys like right out the gate, you know, uh, which definitely helped. Nice. So my, my head was yeah. automatically yeah. fixated on like, you know, if you want to be a tattooer, like you want to tattoo like Hoyer. Which I think in ninety five, ninety six was yeah. at least for here that was rare. Like it was hard to, um, yeah. I mean it, it's it 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 is trippy because you know the if I think back to like the young version of who I was or like how I grew up, you know, um, guys like Hoyer and Rob Koss and stuff they were just like untouchable oh, yeah. heroes, you know. And now I'm friends and with still. Them. It's, yeah, totally. No, no, no I know. Like, like, I still see Hoyer put, putting up those goddamn fucking paintings that he's doing, the close-ups of it. I'm like, huh. it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> he's just on a whole different wavelength. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So I, th I think a lot of us we are most familiar with the your work when you really started. Uh, God, I'm trying to think of the shop where you started. Um, why is it? it I remember seeing pictures in a magazine, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember. I don't know if it was. It might have been Chicago. At Deluxe. Yeah. I just, yeah, I think it was. Uh, what was the question now? I mean, Deluxe yeah, was yeah. super pivotal. Yeah, for, totally. Like that, was, that, was, that was a super what, pivotal shot. That's where I was trying to get to. What what happened? Like, what was it? Was it just the environment, people you're working with? Did you just latch on to something? And you're just like, fuck it, I gotta go. Wait, say, ask your question again. Because, like, why did I? Why did I go to Chicago? Like, or why did I leave? Oh, part of it is like, why did you go to Chicago? But what was it about working there that really accelerated your growth? Because it seemingly to a lot of us who became familiar with you around that time, you came out of nowhere, and it was just like, yeah, oh, who's this guy? What I mean, what would you think accelerated my growth at Deluxe? Tim Tim Beaver. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, like work, you know, working next to that guy is that doesn't most, happen for everybody. You do, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, work. I mean, yeah, it work, doesn't happen for. I mean, everybody there was awesome. 
like I was. So I might, I might understand the answer to your question, but there's going to be people listening that have no idea what deluxe is. Was, or is. No I don't know. I don't know what it is anymore to be honest. Yeah. Um, so when I, when I worked there, so I was working, um, I was working in Ohio at stained skin and, uh, Ben offered me a job and it was just like kind of a no brainer. Like there's no, I mean, I remember when he offered me the job, I was just like, uh, you, you know, I'm like, I'm going to take it. Like, there's no, like, don't, don't throw that around. Like I'm not going to show up tomorrow. Like if you, if you're serious, I'm like, I'll be there. And he's like, no, man. He's like, we'd love to have you. And I was just like, okay, like I'll move. So I just packed up and left, left Ohio, moved to Chicago. And uh, at the time it was Ben and Harlan Thompson and Dennis Hallbroder and Tim Biedron. And this is like December of 99, you know? Um, So I was like 20. Amazing. Six, no, three. I was like 23. Um, You know, Tim's probably 25, 24, 25. And then Harlan and Harlan and Dennis and Ben are probably, they're all a little older. Like, I don't remember 28, something like that, you know, but we're all young. Um, And uh, it was just an, I mean, it was an amazing environment. You know, it was just like every, so at every studio I've ever worked at, I've had like um, the only, I mean, I could be wrong, but the way I've always interpreted it is every studio that's ever hired me has kind of had this like, oh man, he's great. Let's hire him. And then once I get there, they're like, uh, he's not up to speed at all. Like, but now I just moved across the world to work here. So it's like, well, we can't fire him. We better get him up to speed. I've always had like, I've always had people help out a t- like a ton, you know? Um, and Del- and yeah, Deluxe, yeah. you know, I mean, like there was always, there was always people helping me out, helping me learn. I had no business working there, you know? Um, Dennis Halbritter, uh, me and him go back and he's always spoke highly of deluxe he always said that was a very pivotal oh, place for him to work and he's he's actually actually back near there now i believe i think he moved back to chicago did he okay i knew i talked to him yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago now he'd moved back to detroit i think um but i haven't oh detroit yes yeah, yeah i was yeah. gonna say yeah i think it was detroit yeah detroit. yeah i haven't talked to that guy since we were in la together and saw him dave so <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah dennis is a good guy yeah um, yeah he's on time and it was, it was just I so mean, it was how, how many years I, lo- I love the delay how, how many years were you <laughs> i know we're on we're on a bad delay on this one um yeah. how many how many years did you spend at deluxe two okay yep and then where did you go uh then so then while i was at deluxe adrian lee offered me a job at New school. Oh man. Kinda. Kinda. It was almost like <laughs> it was almost like a yeah, you know, maybe you could work here. And so I moved out on a maybe. Um, on it was a, a little more a little more clandestine than that, but yeah. So I moved I moved out to San Jose New School. So <laughs> And I'd been I'd been doing guest spots there like while I worked at Deluxe, I was doing guest spots at new school in San Jose. Um, so I moved out there with, 
intent to work there and it worked out and i was there for a couple of years yeah were you buried at this time because it seems like you're moving around a lot like you had no problem just dropping everything and moving for an opportunity um so yeah i mean i was you want to talk about my ex-wife <laughs> um i was married no, <laughs> no not at all um <laughs> uh, yeah i was yeah. so and, and a couple of the moves we were actually like going through divorces but it was mutual, like, you know, get out of town. So, you know, we did. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, how, how important is that in an early person's career? No, not divorce. Uh, leave the towns. <laughs> that was actually. I've, really al I've always, yeah, yeah, I've always thought that it's uh, in my own career that moving played a big part in helping me get along down the road, meet new people, and stuff like that. Dude. Did you use it to your advantage that way as well? I mean, you went to great studios, but did yeah. you find that it helped you accelerate your learning? And yeah, I mean, there was, I mean, a couple of things were huge. Um, one, I, I legitimately think that I was always at the bottom of the bucket. Like, I think that's a fair assessment that everybody would agree with. Um, like, I think all the people that I worked with were just so much further along than I was that there's no way for that not to be beneficial. And I think having the commitment of like, I'm going to move my family here. I think it kind of put the screws to everyone that like, we can't just kick him out. Like he's got to stay. So, yeah. So I think that, I think it did kind of like anchor me in like my, my commitment factor, I think helped out. Um, had I just been local, I don't, I don't think it would have worked. You know what I mean? Like, I think it would have been easier to be like, well, you know, like that guy's kind of weird, like get him out of here or whatever, you know? So yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it kind of like solidified my uh, station or whatever. Um, but the other thing that was just dramatic, yeah, yeah. and I, I hate to be the old guy that's going to sit on here and lament the glory days pre-internet, but there was, there was no way back then to be exposed to what other um, like, cities were doing you know and so in in 1996 the tattooing that would happen in florida was vastly different than what was going on in ohio and ohio was kind of it was kind of similar to chicago but not you know what i mean like chicago still had this like you know uh guilty and innocence presence you know like guy atchison and kim sai and rob Koss and John yeah Clay. yeah they had a they had a thing going on that like changed the way people wanted to get tattooed and then i left there and moved to san jose and it's like you know it's ed hardy explosion and it's like man it's, it was just so vastly different um that every place i went i had to learn a new thing if i wanted to eat like if i just wanted to like make it i had to because you know a a, a a guy in San Jose that wants to get an Eagle tattooed on him is vastly different than the guy in Chicago that wants to get an Eagle. <laughs> They're not the same at all. Totally. You know? And so I don't, I don't yeah. know if that exists anymore. Like, I don't think it does. No, we seem to live in a, in a world of homogenized style, you know, or people oh, just really hyper-focused on one thing. And, you know, even in my own studio, there's people, they, they will not stray from what they do. And it, yep. I don't know how that affects tattooing going forward. Like, yeah i don't know it, it's kind of weird um and I, i've never flushed this idea out but you know when we started tattooing like 
half of your ability to be a good tattooer was how well you could make needles on Sunday. Like every Sunday yeah. for 12 yeah. years, I made needles, right? And I could make yeah. badass needles. So I could make better tattoos because I knew how to make it, whatever. That was like part of the thing. Well, it's pointless now. Yeah. I mean, it was like a, it's a thing that you learned that we mastered that's completely irrelevant. Um, yeah. So I don't wonder if some of the, like, the, the newer generation that's coming up and they're like laser focused on one style, if that's not beneficial. Um, it's super For me, hard I think it head around because we had to learn how to do Americana stuff and Polynesian stuff and tribal and biomech. And you had to learn how to do everything because there weren't there, there just wasn't enough clients to feed yourself on. I mean, even now, like yeah. I've been tattooing almost 30 yeah. years. I can't feed myself on just biomechanics. Like I can't do it. Like I wouldn't, you know, I'd, I'd be booked solid three days a week. Like that's not enough. You know what I mean? Like that's not enough. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wonder how these guys are it, working or like, if you only do one thing, I don't know how you find that many clients, but it seems like they do. So I don't know. Or how, how they're only doing one thing in a shop with four other people doing that same one thing. It, and they, and it, there's it. so many studios that just seem bonkers busy, like just slammed with the same thing. And it's like, yeah. where do you find the clients that want to do that? I don't, it doesn't exist in my world at all. I just, yeah, it doesn't exist in mine. I wish it did, but it doesn't. <laughs> I, just I don't think know. A lot like, of young artists are missing out on a my, chance to. I'd get bored fast, man. I would get really bored really fast. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the variety is a great opportunity for you to expand your style and try new things, right? Like, I'd hate yeah. to be just the guy who does one thing all the time and never try anything new, or else, how do you, how do you progress? Like what's next? Like <laughs> fatter lines. <laughs> I mean, even, even when it comes down to just like, just the avenue of, of tattooing, I can't, I can't do that. You know what I mean? Like I'm yeah. like, I can't like, it's like I tattoo all the time. So I need to sculpt and, you know, take piano lessons and train jujitsu and paint. And like, I have, my brain won't let me just do one thing. Like it's, I get, I don't know if it's ADD or what, but like, I just can't do it. So. Yeah. You've always uh, had interesting work-life balance for someone who's a workaholic. Like when we met back in the day, it was fishing. It was something you're mad crazy about. And I don't think yeah. every time I've talked to you since, I don't think you've ever gone fishing since then you're onto something else. And you know, whether yeah. it's jujitsu or, or, or whatever, how yeah. important is that in your creative life? having a, having a balance or being like, what do you, uh, what's important? Well, a balance outside of tattooing. Like some tattooers think a balance to tattooing is painting. And I, I could see that, but it's not really a life balance. Like a, I need extreme physical activity to balance out a cerebral daily right. life. Um, that's the only, that's the only way I find creativity and balance. Yeah. But how does that work for you? So I'm, I am super obsessed about jujitsu, um, as, as a discipline, like, but there's, there's a really weird caveat to my, uh, addiction. So I try to go Monday through Friday and like, I, my goal is to go every day, Monday through Friday. That doesn't work. Like I'm not, 
I'm 46 years old. It's hard to do it every day, but I usually land there three to four days a week. But the caveat is that the school I train at, I've known some of these guys for like 20 years. And so they pick my uh, eighth grader up at school and they've done it for years now. So they pick him up at school. He goes to the academy. He helps out. He takes his classes. And so I have to walk in at six o'clock to pick my son up, which is when my classes. So I'm already there. <laughs> might, as well, might as well train. So it's like, yeah, yeah. it's a really weird sweet spot. That's not going to last forever. You know, um, being able to, being able to have a hobby like jujitsu where you can do it all the time. There's a ton of little dials that have to fit perfectly for it to, for it to work. And so right now it works. It won't yeah, work. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for, for now it's a super good life balance. And also, you know, with jujitsu, it's like my wife trains, both of my sons train, they're all really good. Oh. So yeah, we have mats at the house. It's just in the, it's just in our family diet at this point, you know? Um, oh, that's amazing. How long and, are you training for? Well, I started training when I lived in San Jose. So that was, oh, two or oh three or whatever. And then because of my back problems, I didn't, I didn't train in my thirties much um did some boxing did some did some kickboxing in my 30s but my back was too shot for jujitsu so i've been back for about seven years yeah um and it's good we we have a super good super good gym lots of pro fighters and lots of old guys that just want to have a good time and you know no no weird meatheads it's like a good it's a good environment so that kind of makes it easier to deal with but it does it, nice, it, it, it robs your life of all the other stuff. Like it's not um, like we don't do anything else. Like we don't, we don't go, we don't go fishing. And I live on the Gulf of Mexico. We just never go. And also because I suck at it. I can't, I can't catch fish to save my life. So that, that's part of it. Like I, I love being outdoors. And I love camping and I do do some bow hunting and stuff, but it's really hard for me to like enjoy Florida for the um, like the ecosystem here is just not, it's not something I'm super into. Like I grew up in Minnesota, so yeah, yeah. I'm super used to like so the North and I spend, I spend every November bow hunting at my uncle's in Wisconsin and that pretty much gets, cool. Cool. that's all, my out, that's all my outdoor activity that I can really take. Florida is just not, it's just not fun. Yeah, it's not. I don't want it's to. It's fucking hot, humid. It's hot. It's, it's, it's everything's poisonous, venomous. I mean, it's everything wants to kill you. It's just nuts, man. It's I'm yeah. not used to. I mean, I've been here a long time. And I'm not used to it. You know. So, um, what yeah. made you pick Florida, Tampa? <sighs> well, I, <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't. Um, it sounds I, like it. Yeah, ex-wife. Yeah, I had I had no intentions of. Man, ever, we have a lot in common. Yeah, I never I never thought that I would get stuck in Florida, like, no way. Like, yeah. I moved here when I was in high school. I absolutely hated it. I remember my mom. I, I came home from school when I was fifteen, and there was a moving truck at the house, and you know she was like, "Oh fuck!" I'm like, "What the hell's a moving truck?" And she's like. And we'd moved like three times that year. And she's like, oh, we're moving to Florida. And I'm like, what, like what volleyball? 
like, what am I going to do in Florida? Like I ice skate, I have a snowmobile. I want, I want to go ice fishing and camping and the, like, what am I going to do in Florida? You know? Um, so I'm I actually didn't tell you. I absolutely, <laughs> you know, uh, and so I got out of here as soon as I could. Uh, but then was going through a divorce and ended up back in Florida and whatever. I'm here now. So. Oh. <laughs> and and there's the other thing me and my wife have always planned on my current wife. We've always planned on as soon as my youngest son is 18, we're gone. We're done. Um, and I've been where fan, well, I've been fantasizing for 15 years to move to Norway. Um, and I really want to, and I really like it. Um, and I, and I had it all mapped out, like kind of obsessively have figured out how to pull the trigger and make it work. And then COVID just really took the wind out of my sails. So oh, yeah. the thought of like, I've, I've kind of had this, like, so it's a, you know, tons of personal stuff here, but my oldest son's in the military and he's been in for six years. He's 25. It doesn't look like he's moving back to Tampa. Um, not sure what my 20 year old, but I could see him. I could see him moving for sure. My 18 year old daughter already moved away to go to college. So it's like, you know, if all my kids are going to leave, there's no reason for me to stay here, you know? And so yeah, no. we can move to Norway. And when I want to see the kids, I'll just fly home. And then when COVID happened and they got locked down, I'm like, crap, man, I could get stuck in Norway and not be able to see my kids. So that kind of took the wind out of my sails, but they're also young still and rely on me when they're oh, older and don't rely yeah. on me. It might be easier to leave the country. Um, Wait till they have grandkids and then you're fucked. Then you're not going anywhere. Do. I already do. Oh, shit. Oh, fuck. Grandpa. <laughs> you're not even 50. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I so I'm 46. My oldest is 25, and he has a one year old. So there you go. Do the math. Oh my God, that's awesome! Congratulations, welcome to the club. I know. Years ago, you were yeah, yeah. You wanted to find out about moving to Canada. Whatever happened to that? I've tried to move all over. I have like super like I just (laughs) honestly, I've never found any place that felt like home. Um. I kind of always, I, I, California felt close, um, but not anymore. It's just, it's been yeah. too long. It's been too long. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the Bay area always kind of felt like I lived there for a couple years and it was probably those sweet spot years, you know, 26, 27, you know, or 31, like those kind of years where you like, you know, really lock in on an area. So that, that felt like home, but it doesn't anymore. So yeah, that was like me yeah. for Vancouver. Yep. Yeah, I think tattooing ruins us. A lot of us, you know, we move around and do guest spots and go to conventions and work in different cities, and then we never yep. get a chance to settle down. We never yeah. feel like we're at home. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Now, now I'm in Edmonton, Alberta. Okay. What's that? Where are you guys now? I'm in Edmonton, Alberta now. Okay. I'm in You're the interior of BC. You're in Kelowna, right? Kelowna. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay. You should come check it out. Where did where did you guys <laughs> grow up? Scarborough. Toronto. Toronto. Okay. Yeah, we both grew up in Toronto, didn't know each other, met in Vancouver. Okay. 
Yeah. Well, I've never been yeah. to either. Oh, yeah, I started. I started. Ta- <laughs> I started tattooing in Toronto in '90, and then uh, moved to Vancouver in '94. Okay, John's to blame for my career. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. John, you taught him, or? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 At Sacred Heart. So. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah. where I met you, right, Dave? Yep. Yep. Back in uh, my memory serves correct. Yeah, one of the conventions. One. Yeah. Oh, one. Like yeah, that. probably right around then. I think yeah. I was an apprentice at the time. Oh, were you? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. yeah. I don't remember. I yeah, it so. was the first. It was the first Vancouver convention. Yeah. Because I remember I didn't I didn't go, and uh, Dave came to see me and was like, "You should come to the convention. There's lots of people asking about you." And I was actually. I took 18 months off of tattooing after that time because I was getting clean off drugs. And I was just like, I don't care. That was a fun show. Yeah. And he's telling me about all the people he's meeting and I'm just like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> For an apprentice, it was like the craziest fucking show. It was like Trevor McStay, Corey Flatmo, you oh, yeah. fucking... Me and uh, Trevor got you. That's right. I forgot about that. Oh, did you? Yeah, me and oh, Trevor like, must have been like, I don't know, man. We must have. I forget how this went now, but night before our flight, like two in the morning or something, we decided to go get Chinese food and you know, or you know, <laughs> o'clock at night or something, and we sit in some restaurant and eat all night, and both of us got terribly sick. I'm pretty sure we both missed our oh. flight. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Fuck, so many you know that i feel i feel like i'm I'm bummed that i wasn't more intentional and aware of what i was doing when i was younger because looking back on it it's like the the problem of being like full tilt insomniac working all the time just like you know full just moving so fast I I just don't remember half the stuff I did, you know, like I'll hear other people talk yeah. about it. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was cool. Forgot. I forgot it even happened, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We were just having a conversation just the other day, me and you about uh, concussions and um, yeah. right. Yeah. Has do that it. had a long-term effect on you. I know. I know it's affected me. <laughs> I've had I've had long term effects from it. I don't know I don't know if I do anymore, which could be a long term effect. You know, like maybe I'm not aware of how stupid I am. <laughs> uh, but the, 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 the last one I had was pretty bad for pretty uh, months, like yeah, maybe a year, six months to a year. Um, Did it affect how much you could tattoo? Did you have to take time off of work? Um, yeah, it did. Um, but I had like full yeah. swing. Like I had like the full like. I I remember when I had it being, um, like I remember the like I I think it was about four days later I was still throwing up. Um, so I went and had oh, like fuck. You know, they, I had to go you know get an MRI or a CAT scan or one of those and the doctor that did the cat scan was just like look man like how many of these have you had and i was like well this is number four and he's like look he's like you i think at the time i was done or something like that and he was just like look like this is gonna be a different one 
because the other concussions I had, I was in my like twenties. Um, and th- this one, he was just like, look, be, be aware of what's going to happen. Like you're going to have potential anger issues. You're, you could be suicidal. You could, you know, he started laying out all the like CTE stuff, which I'm already kind of aware of. Yeah. I'm already, I already know that world a little bit. Um, and I went through the full swing, like went through like massive, like suicidal thoughts for like no reason. And so what was comforting about it was, you know, I'd wake up with these, like, you know, just thoughts of like, man, it's not worth it. Kill yourself. And it was like, oh yeah, this is that. Crazy. And so since I knew it was the concussion, it was easy to not like, it was almost like I could, I could almost like view what was happening from outside. You know, where it was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, your chemicals oh, yeah. in your brain are, you know, betraying you right now. Don't worry about it. You'll be better. And so they, you know, eventually it wore off. Yeah, it was pretty bad. Yeah. For That's what I yeah. like about jujitsu, man. No concussions. Well, lower chances of concussions. Yeah. I, I got that one in jujitsu. Yeah. Yep. Took a. Oh, shit. Yeah, that one was jujitsu. A guy flailed out and kneed me in the head. Just, it was just a fluke. Oh, oh. Yeah, see, that's. A fluke, exactly. I've taken spinning elbows in jujitsu. It's like, why did a spinning elbow just fucking happen? Yeah, right. totally. But you know. it does sometimes. Yeah. I mean, I've, yeah. I've also yeah. had, I've had multiple situations where I've just like, you know, left the cabinet door open and hit my head on it where I'm dazed for, you know, hours, you know, where it's just, oh, sometimes yeah. it's just a, just a fluke. You know, it's not anything you can protect yourself yeah. from. So, you know. Yeah. 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 It's, it's interesting that uh, concussions and the stuff that leads to it, like mental health issues and stuff like that is something that it's just so, something it seems like in tattooing nobody talks about you know we talk about it in shops and everything but there's no real i mean it's god our industry is just plagued with people that are dealing with mental health issues they come into the industry with their fucking baggage and then they're dealing with it as adults it's yeah right i can only imagine working in it talk you know like i wish there was something where we could uh provide resources or something or just even start the conversation about dealing with mental health issues and who to talk to and yeah. yeah, I mean, it's, it's so weird. I think growing, getting older, growing up, whatever, like looking, looking out, I mean, I work alone now. So a lot of, a lot of my interactions with like what the tattoo world is, um, is almost memories at this point. You know, it's like, I can, I can think back to different studios I've worked with or, you know, people that have worked with me or studios that I've worked for or whatever. And I can, I can kind of just reminisce about um, the crazy characters that have, you know, shared rooms with or whatever, but I don't really, now it's just like, it's just a memory. You know what I mean? It's just like a thing that happened, which it's weird to look back on and be like, man, like everybody's um, unique. Damn it. Eccentric. You know, like, like even just like the talent side, you know, like even, even if you look at it just from like, you know, like a positive side, like everybody right now globally is dealing with that whole like imposter syndrome thing, right? Like you hear about it all the time. Um, It doesn't matter what, it doesn't matter what you've done. Like, it doesn't matter what weird craft you're into, or if you've never been into a craft, people are suffering with imposter syndrome 
but that's magnified. I mean, maybe I'm being dramatic, but I think for me, it's like really crazy because I've worked with so many just amazing, like, I mean, I've just worked with the most amazing tattooers in the world. I think that have ever lived. And it's like, yeah, that's like, I have gnarly imposter syndrome because I can just sit back and think of what, I mean, I can sit back and think of what Adam Barton was doing in 2001. And I'm like, how did, how have I still not caught up? Like, I'm still not caught up. It's crazy, you know? Um, so there's, but there's a positive. That, does that fuel you? Does that um, fuel you? Is that? No, but I don't think it drags me down either. No. Yeah. Like the fear of being just, found out doesn't drive you to try harder? <laughs> um, I, no, I don't think so. Um, like okay. in a competitive sense, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I'm constantly inspired by, you know, all sorts of things, you know, so, um, no, it's, it's probably, it probably should be, <laughs> it probably should be more motivating. <laughs> um, no, I think I just, I think I just like observe it as like, I mean, like, like Tim Bedron, like I was talking to him a little bit this morning, um, just over texts, but, uh, you know, he's, he posted a picture the other day and I was just like, like, he's just, he's just been so good. Like my whole career, it's just like, you know, he just continually gets, I don't even know if it's, he's getting better. He's just always been so incredibly good that if I really paid attention to it, I'd be a plumber. Like I would just, if, if I, <laughs> It wouldn't, if I, if I really focused on his abilities, I would just find something else to do. It wouldn't motivate me because there's no, there's, there's no catching up to it. It's almost like being like, oh man, I, you know, I love how Mike Tyson can box. It's like, well, that's not going to motivate me to go be a boxer. I know that's never going to happen. Like I'm never going to throw a punch like Tyson. Yeah. So it's yeah, so it's yeah, it's, yeah that, it could be a counter that comparison is dangerous. Productive inspiration, but I just observe it, enjoy it, and then move on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the the problem with social media these days. That it allows you to compare yourself to so many people that it just it could sink your confidence so fast. Oh yeah, if yeah, if you if yeah. you let it. That was the next thing about. Yeah, yeah, that was the nice thing about magazines, right? You only got magazines like sometimes quarterly, yeah, back in the day, where it was like, "Oh, this is so amazing! I feel bad about myself." Shut the magazine and you forget about it. Now it's yeah. just like a constant stream. If you pay, like you said, if you pay attention, it's like, "Oh, fuck, man! Well, I should just quit." It's like I just don't pay attention. The weird caveat with magazines was always like, if if you did have an article come out, it's six years late. You know, like I've had articles about where you're like, I haven't lived in that state in four years. And you know what I mean? Like this work is, it's ancient, it's terrible. So there was also that thing being in it, whenever you did see stuff, you would know that this stuff's old. It's already aged out because by the time it went to production, yeah. Yeah. Um, by the, you know, by the time it went through all the, you know, whatever they had to do, it was like the stuff you're like, ah, oh, I wish I hadn't sent that in, you know? Where now it's instant. Yeah. You can upload it and it and then yeah, it's okay. there forever, also, which is weird. Yeah, it's instantaneous. Yeah. Instantaneous and permanent. Yeah. 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 So 
with all the things that you've we'll get into other things that you've started stuff uh you never built machines though did you i did for a little bit yeah yeah um oh did you yeah i had in in chicago i actually had a little little sherline mill and um did did some did some machines on that and then at the first red letter one well actually the first two red letter ones we had a machine shop um and so all of us built oh okay um and it was just not my thing like i built a handful of machines um one of the guys uh at the well yeah at the time was one of the employees who then later became one of the shop owners um was just super superior with like his machines are just fantastic. So, and that was right when I started old gold. Um, and yeah. it just didn't make sense to waste any time building machines. Cause his were so good that it was like, well, I'll just use yours forever and I'll make pigment. And yeah. it just, that was the way it worked. So. Yeah. 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 yeah I, I definitely with making- I'm not super mechanically inclined. Like I don't have that okay. engineer, that engineer brain like that. I don't have it. Yeah. When Except did you start making table. pigment? Um, probably 98, 98, 90, 97, okay. 98, something like that. Yeah. But again, something, something you just started for yourself first. I, by default, right? Like everybody made pigment. Yeah. You just, you know, if you yeah. wanted to tattoo, you made pigment and, you know, Spalding and national were always there and, so it wasn't, it was never something that I intended to do on a production level. Um, I, yeah. I fell into that, like totally fell into it, but I always really enjoyed making pigment and um, made, I, I think I made pigment probably at every shop I ever worked at. You know, we always had a. You still making pigment? No. No, I don't think I, I, don't, think I, I, don't, I don't think I ever will. Yeah. Um, I haven't, I have enough left. God damn it, Phil Holt, I'm almost out of my red. I know, I get, dude, you'd be stunned at how many emails I get. Um, I wouldn't actually. I think, I think when my, I have, I have a lot of color left. Um, and I, I don't know if I'm joking, but I think when it's done, I quit. Like, I think if I run out, I'm just going to stop tattooing. So, which I, I really? which I think I will run out. I, I do think it'll happen, but. That's kind of been my goal. It's like I want to get rid of it and then quit. I don't. I don't know. I don't know if I'll actually pull the trigger on that. But uh, you know, I know you I'll, keep doing those draws every once in a while. It's like God damn yeah. it. So I, I I had this. I don't know why I had an idea when I shut the company down that I would box up a bunch of assorted pigment and seal it and seal all the boxes. And so I did. So I still have. I don't know. A lot. Yeah. I still have a pretty good handful, but I have no idea yeah. what I have. Like, I don't know if I have one bottle of red or 15. I don't know if I have a bottle of pink. I might have 70 bottles of blue. I have no idea. Um, so there was, was just kind of, you know, it was a pretty, when, when I had to shut the company down, it was a pretty chaotic time of life. So I just, I just did what I had to do. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. When you announced that shutting down, I ordered lots of powder from national and went back to mixing my own. So, what? and dude, I never would have saw them go out. I never would have saw that coming. And so, no, 
I thought I had I thought I had yeah. Nashville in my back pocket where I wasn't worried about I wasn't worried about any of it because it's like oh well worst case scenarios I'll just I'll just go back to making you know national not a big deal and gone like over and I think I kind of missed if there was any um you know forecast that that was going to happen I I missed the memo I had no idea that was going to happen yeah just I, one yeah. day it was gone yeah, it was like I I had yeah uh, yeah i had just ordered a bunch of dry powder from them and then literally like i don't know a month later my buddy len from the east coast here on canada he messaged me in a panic because he's like nationals gone i'm like what are you talking about i just got a huge box from them and he's like they're gone it's <laughs> like yeah. okay well i'm okay <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I wish there, there. If I'd have known there was some colors, I would have loaded up on. But yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. They were out of. They were out of. Uh, probably because of the Euro scare, they were definitely uh, out of all the blues. Mm. So, but, yeah, yeah, whatever. Um, what are yeah. you gonna What are you gonna do if you uh, run out of pigment? What are you gonna retire and do what? Man, if you if you, you gotta gotta do, do, just let me know. <laughs> I've no, I've no idea, no clue, no clue. Um, you don't have yeah. any schemes dreamed no. up. No, <laughs> and, I mean, in a sense, it like keeps me up at night. You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think about it constantly. Um, I, I, I just, I, can't, I can't imagine how long I'm gonna want to do this. I mean, that's part of the problem. Is it's just like how long, how long would I actually stay interested in this? Like it's 27 years now, maybe 13 more years. That seems fair, you know, but you know, at yeah. that point I'm 56, 57, 50, almost 60 years old. Do I want to, do I want to be the guy that's like, what, what am I going to do at 60? Like open up a street shop and hire a bunch of 20 year olds to it's oh, like, yeah. I, I don't think, yeah. Hire a bunch of fifty-year-olds. There's going to be a lot of them. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, don't it's, kid yourself. There's going to be a lot of older guys. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, how long are you going to hang in there? I don't know, right? man. I'm running out of steam. Yeah, I mean, part of I'm it. Trying to build another just, company uh, so I can segue out, but I think part of it's just all all the things that come along with it are feeling more, more taxing, you know, like, um, the, like the business side is yeah. a little more, it's a little more taxing than I'd expected. So will I quit tattooing? I, I probably won't. I'll probably tattoo until I'm dead, but, um, am I going to keep yeah. working in my own studio and paying like outrageous prices for rent? And, you know, it's like five days a week, 10 hours yeah. a day. Like I'm it's, it's getting old. Oh, fuck no. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've got, um, my no. clientele is amazing. Like, I don't, I don't know if I have anybody on my schedule that I wouldn't love to hang out with. Like I, every single person I tattoo is like super nice. I mean, I don't have a ton of free time to like have, you know, like actual friendships, <laughs> which I don't, that's fine. I don't, that sounds terrible, but I mean, I don't have time to just go like hang out with you know, do stuff. It's a tattoo and my schedule is super rigid. Um, 
but I kind of get all of the social interactions out just going to work. You know, it's like totally I work alone. I tattoo one person, yeah. two people a day. Um, they're awesome. Like all my clients are just like, I'm super excited every day for my client to come in and hang out. Um, so I'm operating in this really weird sweet spot and I'm still pretty worn out. You know, it's pretty like the grind of keeping up is like, ugh, it's getting old. So um, I think I probably have another yeah. 10 years in me. Um, and I don't, I think that I'm going to have to find something else to do. You know, um, If you guys have any ideas, let me know. Yeah. You know. Jiu-jitsu gym, buddy. That's what I want to do. <laughs> No, I, yeah, I, oh, I, yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't want to be involved in that world either. Not at, not at the business level. <laughs> I just want it. I just want it small enough where I can just train every day when I want. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that, and that's that. That's also the re the weird sweet spot of having kids that train. Is I mean, my twenty year old is a freaking monster. Like, you know, he's he. I think he probably started training when he was ten. Um. And he's just, you know, 135 pounds, strong as an ox, wrestled for four years. His jujitsu is great. Um, I can barely hold on to him, you know. Um, so we can just train at the house. Yeah. Like I, got, I got like this built-in like training academy, you know, with my kids. Um, so I'll just, I'm going to ride that out as long as I can. Nice. Yeah. I have a few of those young kids at my gym. They're very annoying. <laughs> Like, God damn it! Why are you so strong and so good? Jesus yeah. Christ! Endless gas tank. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fucking wheezing thirty seconds in. Yep. Yeah. It's awesome. I know the. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk more a little bit more about retirement. Uh, you've been talking to your peers a lot. What are they saying about getting out of tattooing? Oh, I no, I don't talk to anybody. They have a plan? You guys are the first tattooers I've talked to in years. No. Oh, come on. <laughs> not, I'm I'm not I'm not joking. Uh I'm not, I'm totally not joking. Uh I think probably the only person It's not like you're an asshole. <laughs> well, some people would argue you. Um I talked to uh, Tim Biedrin. Actually, you know what? I don't talk to him that much anymore, and I should. Um and that's just me being a bad friend, but historically me and him have always been super tight. And we, you know, we, we talk about, um, work all the time. Um, so he's, he, you know, we're, we soundboard off each other a bit. Um, but otherwise, man, I don't really, I don't really communicate a ton anymore. So I don't know what other people's, I don't know if any, I think everybody, when I do talk to them, that's in, you know, our age bracket, everybody's kind of like, I don't know, like it's weird. Like the world's weird. Yeah. You know, where things are just yeah. kind of upside down and it's kind of like, I feel like tattooing became something that's not what we signed up for. Like it seemed like yeah. the, um, like, like at least for me, what I had in my head about what, the future would hold was at least visible. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't a fantasy. You could be the 23 year old tattooer and look at someone like say Mick and Zurich and be like, Oh, well, this is a, 
this this is what the future holds like if you hold out for 20 years eventually you know you could attain this goal of mick or a trevor mcstay or you know there's been a handful of guys you know that are that generation in front of us that were doing it and owning it the way that the generation in front of them did and and i think that's good yeah. i mean i don't think i mean i would i would argue i would bet that most of the guys that we got into this for like where we were like, man, these guys are so inspiring. I want to do this. Um, the kids that are absolutely killing it now that are really, really good at this have no idea who any of them are. Like they're just completely, you know, it's like, a there's, too, there's too many. Yeah, absolutely. It, yeah. Yeah. But do you think well, guys that came well, before us had the same kind of opinion? I think it even boils down to this, the simplicity of, book publications versus TikTok. You know what I mean? It's like, they're just not even comparable. Like we would grow up. I mean, I don't, I can't, I have no idea how many books I have that were printed before I was even born that are super important books. Right. I feel like that side of inspiration for younger artists is gone. Like they don't like even yeah. my, even my, even my own kids, like my 18 year old daughter, like she's in art school. She's an awesome artist. She's got a ton of skill. She's going to do something. I, I guarantee you, she doesn't have an art book in the house anywhere. Like she doesn't have one. It's, it's because crazy. it's just a different, they, there's no, there's almost no point for them to have one. Like everything's accessible online. Um, and it yeah. just changes. It just changes the way people are like solidified. Like once it's, you know, once, once that rhythm, it just, it's like just all over the place, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like all the tattooers now that have to do reels because apparently the way algorithms on Instagram are. So now they're all doing reels and shit and acting like fucking total tools doing these skits and shit. And I'm like, Oh fuck. Can't tattooing just be tattooing again? Like, I mean, and, and I don't then... mind all the, it's like, man. Yeah, like I, that, I don't, I don't mind all the changes. It's just everything gets weird when it becomes this thing of like, I need to, I need to feed myself. You know what I mean? And that, that yeah. sort of desperation. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, all of a sudden you're twerking on Twik TikTok to get likes because, <laughs> you know, it's twerking like for tattoos on TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's like, like I don't, I, I can't be judgmental on it because, um, you know, for whatever reason, like I'm busy enough that I don't have to, and I have no idea why I'm as busy as I am, but I don't have to necessarily whore myself out on Instagram to get a client in the yeah. door. But it's yeah. like, I would, I have tried to shut my account off so many times and I've done it occasionally for, you know, I'll make it six months, seven months. You know, a couple times I've done that. And then it all of a sudden it's like, man, my schedule is getting kind of thin. You know, like maybe I should turn that back on and I'll turn it back on. And then all of a sudden I'll start getting clientele again. And it's just like, fuck. Yeah. Am I actually tethered to this? Yeah. Like, can I, yeah, can I not make a living without this? And the reality is, it's just, it's like stitched into it. You know, it's, it's just part of it now. And that's with someone, I mean, I've tattooed for almost 30 years. 
what about the guy that's been tattooing for two years that just wants to work? It's like, well, how do you get, right. How do you get any traction? Cause it doesn't seem like there's at least, at least for where I live, there's not really like a community with like boots on the ground, you know, like they don't have like, um, like everybody's just stuck on their phone. So they're not interacting. You know, I, I, you're probably getting that social dopamine hit with your likes and approvals online. So you don't go to the skate park or you don't go to punk rock shows or you don't, you're not out there actually meeting people. And that, that's how, yeah. that's yeah, how tattooing totally. started for that's me. Was I knew people socially and they were like, Oh, well, Phil's trying to be a tattooer. Let's get a tattoo by him. And that was it. It was just, yeah. it was all social, yeah. you know? Um, so unless you yeah, belong- how do you make noise on social media, how do you make noise on social media when everyone's got the same fucking megaphone too? Like, it's yeah. like, how do you stand out? How yeah. does it help? You, you remake the same reels of clients getting on tables in funny ways, I guess, like everybody else <laughs> is making. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's so bizarre. It's kind of like a modern carny thing, right? Like everyone's like doing the hock and jive and everything. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. just a digital version of it, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. You got to do what you got to do. I don't mind all the changes in tattooing, but it's the, some of the social media platform stuff. I just can't. No, nope, I just we don't understand. I, yeah, I just don't understand it. I'm fucking old. Yeah. I don't understand it. And I, think, I think we're at like a weird, um, like I think our age is just like a weird middle ground. Um, because totally. everybody, everybody I know, like aunts, uncles, parents, um, they, they use social media all the time and do it terribly wrong. You know what I mean? Like they, they, <laughs> they live on Facebook. Like my mom knows Facebook way better than I ever could possibly understand it. Um, and it's like, oh, I don't want to communicate like that for sure. So it's like, I can't do that world. Um, Instagram definitely worked for a minute, but now it's, I don't really understand it now. Um, and then there's all yeah. the other Twitch and TikTok and all these things that I have no concept of. Um, even Twitter, I've never figured out how that even works or what the purpose is. Um, yeah. And I know it's, I know it's huge and I know people use it and exploit it and do well on it, but it's like over my head. Um so, yeah. yeah, I mean, but we're all in the same boat. I think our age group is just screwed. Yeah. Yeah. One <laughs> foot out the door. <laughs> but there's a lot of us, <laughs> you know, it's not like, it's not like the generation before us where there was like two old guys in town. There's like a hundred old guys in town, you know, like, right. It's, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and that's that's kind of my thought as well. Is like, is it? I don't really, I don't sit back and think like, man, I can't wait to not be a tattooer anymore. I, but I think that decision will be made for us. Oh and, fuck yeah! Not, you well, ate out. Yeah, I think we're just gonna run out. I think the well is just gonna dry up. And yeah, I'm I'm not super. Um, afraid of that or stressed out about it or you know it's just if it dries up it dries up and i'll move on and yeah. i don't know figure something out you know i mean like people work yeah. people do i used stop. to i used to stress about that stuff and then we got shut down for months for covid 
and I didn't get to work and I was like not stressed out at all. So I was like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. The future is not so bad. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah. I mean, I think that's a lot of it too, is I think most, you know, I mean, back, back to like everybody, you know, being like a super creative workaholic, like you're, you, at least for me, I constantly have this thought of like, I'm underperforming, you know, like everybody else is working so much better and so much harder. And that has a huge cloud of stress around it. Whereas you step out of tattooing. And if you're not exposed to that, you're like, Oh, these people don't really work that hard. Like they just, they work 40 hours a week and then they go home and they don't work. And it's like, that's a concept yeah. that we can't really wrap our head around. I mean, every night, every morning, every day, like you, you never really aren't working. Um, you're always creating something. You're always working on something. You're always, and it's enjoyable, but that's like a weird, you know, um, like people kind of have this thing of like, oh, well you have your dream job. So it's, that's awesome for you. And it's like, yeah, but it's still work. You know, it's like, um, yeah. You know what I mean? And dream jobs can become prisons too. You know, like if you feel like you have no alternative because it's either too lucrative or you're supposed to enjoy this thing so much, it becomes its own kind of weird prison, you know? Yep. Where you're not about to just drop it all and go do something else that you're interested in, you know? Yeah, it can go either way, right? I mean, I know guys that yeah. run fishing charters that hate fishing now. And now I know yep. fishing guides <laughs> that just absolutely love the fact that that's their job. So some of it's just your perspective. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I do genuinely love tattooing. I, and I think that's where I'm sitting with the whole process as I think about it, is I... I love, I feel so good when I'm actually tattooing. And as soon as I'm not tattooing, I hate it. I hate everything about it. Like the <laughs> aftermath, the, the promotion side of it, like the business aspect. Yeah. Like yes. All the things you have to do to like try to let people know what you did so that you can get clientele. Like that side of it sucks. Um, oh, yeah. The actual yeah. process of just tattooing someone is so enjoyable. So the it's best. worth it's worth all the crap you have to do to get to be able like, to do that too. You know, like that's the, for sure. that's the payoff. I do. Yeah. I do miss being just like the little worker bee where there was a counter person that would just book shit for me. And I'd show up and be like, Oh, this is what I'm tattooing this week. Cool. That's what yeah. I got to draw for this week. Awesome. You know, but now that I own the shop and I have to do all that other stuff, I'm just like, but yeah, I have to remember it's, that's not tattooing the actual, like I had so much fun tattooing today because the guy tattooed a super nice guy and I just had a great time for a few hours. And then I got to leave and come and do this with my best friend and stuff. And that's right. pretty fucking cool. Right. Yeah. So, it is. Yeah. 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 And I yeah, think probably like, let's say 10 years from now, I'm no longer tattooing and whatever, then it'll become a memory again. The whole thing will be uh man, that was awesome. Like that was so like, yeah, so unique, so weird. And you didn't even know it, you know? Um, and that, I think that's the trippy part about at least the age I'm sitting at now, where I look back to things I did in my twenties, um, you know, like going to Japan to tattoo or whatever. And at the time that just seemed like what tattooers do. Like everybody, everybody I knew goes to Japan and works at three tides and you just, you just do this thing. And now looking back, I'm like, oh, that's super weird to just like fly around the world, to do whatever craft you have, 
You know, it's like you lived in a bubble, Phil. You lived in a special bubble. Totally. And had and had no idea. Like had no clue. Yeah. Because it becomes that it, you know the Japan. What's that? I went to Japan. Oh sorry. I went to Japan. I went to three tides, but they didn't know who I was. <laughs> yeah. I couldn't even get tattooed. <laughs> yeah, I got I got lucky for sure. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, it becomes that, you know, like the, they, everybody always talks about comparison being like the death of joy kind of thing. Um, I feel like it works Absolutely. both ways too. Like, you know, it's um, like you can compare yourself to other people in a negative all the time and drag yourself down. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's yeah. a bummer. Yeah. But sometimes you also miss out on like all the positive stuff. I guess it's the same thing, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, if I was to compare myself to your bubble, I could do it in a negative way. But then I had my own bubble. I got to be mentored by Bill Baker and work with Steve Moore and travel around like my parts of Canada that I enjoy and work with guys like James Tex and drink beers with Craig Fenrick and, you know, be in Toronto and Montreal with Dave C. And, you know, we all can in our own life, like exactly right. If we're if we're just amazing, like all of we got to amazing. Yeah. Cool as yeah. fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and and you guys live in Canada, so you automatically win. <laughs> That's right. just the lucky sperm contest, you know? Yeah. 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 Like, neither of you want to trade places with me. Not well, not not Florida, <laughs> no. no. So it's like, yeah. Like, I think about it. Uh, you, you come, you come visit. I'll come visit, man. Yeah. Yeah. A thousand degrees. Yeah, I'll come in the winter. I'll come and do jujitsu. <laughs> you should. I mean, yeah, I mean, both of you, anytime. Yeah, I've got, I've got all. Yeah, the I'm room. not doing jujitsu because we'll go. You can show me how to fish. Show you a fishing. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. I don't yeah. know how to do it. I'm sweet. <laughs> Just can't use it. Oh fuck, dude. <laughs> I mean, we, you have we a go out that sits on land. No, we go out all the time. We just can't catch fish. I mean, we catch sharks all the time. But they suck. Yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm, totally. I need I need to take like serious lessons on how to fish. Saltwater throws me off. You need no to idea. be no idea. Need to mentor under a, a captain or something. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've gone out a couple times and had people show stuff, but it, I've never been able to replicate it. You know. So. Yeah. A lot of it's you cool. know, water temperatures are constantly changing, and we've been plagued with red tide for about five years now. Um, Fuck, that's a long red tide. Well, it, you know, it come I, we had a bloom last Thank year. You. I think that was eighteen months long. You know, it'll vanish. Jesus, for, it'll vanish for five months. It'll pop back up for a year and a half. It's pretty bad. Fuck. Damn, that's horrible. Yeah, it's really bad. Yeah, yeah, and it's all so now. It's all man-made. Yeah. You know, it's all. You know, fertilizers and that's yeah, of course that no yeah. one cares about. You know, sugar fields. Yeah, you know, just dumping, <laughs> dumping poison into the ocean like it's fine. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. So yeah, hey, it's it's not oil. So why does any, why would anybody care? Yeah, right, right. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nitrates. So it's so fine. let me just go back and yeah, yeah. the bubble part. So because you you have done you know, what other people would think is like the best shit traveled everywhere. What's been, uh, what's been like one of your kind of 
favorite or most memorable kind of like moment of travel and tattooing, whether it was a guest spot or just a convention or even just getting tattooed by somebody. Do you have that? Do you have that like romanticized moment in your, in your brain? Like favorite trip ish kind of thing. Like, is that what you mean? I feel like that was a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I, no, I don't because I've, I've traveled at least, at least for what my expectations were. I've traveled a ton. Um, and I've yeah. had really, I've just had really good experiences, like kind of everywhere I've gone. Um, so I've had really good times in Zurich hanging out with Mick and like I've, I worked in Zurich quite a few times. Um, always loved Switzerland, but the, the pinnacle for me has always been Norway. Um, and I've been there a few okay. times. Um, and I've just always had just the best time with the best people and, um, yeah, like Nor Norway is my favorite for sure. So, okay, nice, awesome. Uh, top and, five I mean, tattooers of all time. Japan, Japan was definitely pivotal, like huge. Like working working in Japan was like really, yeah. um, but like, like like bizarre, like really just like starstruck, kind of like almost more than I could like understand how awesome it was it was a it was a lot to take in um just everybody everybody working at three tides super intimidating um you know everybody was super impressive and you know the skill set was just really really high and being in japan was super weird and just bizarre you know it's just like a whole nother planet um and so all of all of those trips were really good yeah so cool uh, we have a question we ask every artist. Who are your top five favorite tattooers? Oh, um, five. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> Tim Beedron, for sure. Um, also, just he's he's like my top tattooer as like a an artist and a draftsman and a tattooer and a person. You know, just like he's just like. I just love that guy to death. Um, yeah. Grime. I mean, influentially, Grime's always been like the biggest influence for sure. Um, really uh, have through the years grown really, really um, attracted to Chris O'Donnell as like, yeah. I really liked his stuff back in the nineties and in the early two thousands. Um, but he's much yeah. more impressive to me now, um, than ever, uh, Regino Gonzalez, definitely at the very top. And I got one more, hmm. one more, we don't make it easy. No, that's a, that's a tough one. I only got one more. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say Rob, I'd say Rob Koss. He's always been um wildly inspiring who's that can you say that again rob, rob Koss. do you know rob do you guys know rob, rob Koss? Koss? Oh, yes yeah, yeah. i've got yeah. a rob Koss sketchbook that i have to put away because it's just too uh it's too humbling on my ability 
Yeah, and I mean, I think I can for, trace it. That's about as close as I can get. For for Rob and for Grime, um, I think the thing that have always the thing that has always been the most impressive to me is the range of what they do. You know, it's just like it's it's not they're not like one trick ponies by any means. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they're if if somebody were to ask yeah. me what that style is, I I don't even know what I would say. Like I don't I've I've no, no they define styles for sure. what avenue they sit in. Uh because it's just so they're just so all over the place, but really cohesive. You know what I mean? Like um like you you never see a tattoo from Rob even now that you don't know he did it. You know. Um and that's man, that's a really unique, hard thing to find, you know, like someone that's just kind of out there carving their own path. Yeah. 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 You're probably the first tattooer I've known to bring up Rob Koss's name in the last fifteen years. I think I can only think of a couple other artists I know who, who yeah. regularly comment on his work. It's fascinating that he's flown under the radar for so long. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it's by well, even or- if you know, like I, I, I feel like he has the like he's the wrong kind of tattooer to be viewed online. Like it doesn't, especially on a freaking phone. It, like his tattoos are so complicated. Yeah, like they're so beautiful and they're so ornate. Yeah. like they're done so well and they look so like they're just so good. Um, like they sit on the skin so yeah. well, but you need you need to see that in person. Like you can't like Instagram is not going to do justice at all. You just, I think so people, no. I think they come across like a beautiful Rob Con back piece or Rob cost back piece. And they're just like, well, whatever. And just keep, you know, swiping. Cause it's, it's too complicated for their brain to even understand, you know, what they're, what they're listening to. Yeah. What they're, what they're looking at. Yeah, totally. Yeah, or it's just not tattooy enough or something. Not, yeah, I get what you mean for sure. I, I remember seeing his work early on, and I was just like, even just in the magazines on a 2D picture, I was just like, what the fuck is this I got to contend with now? Like, totally just, different. Yeah. Yep. All that stuff in the early days that was coming out of Chicago and then, of course, out of San Francisco was just like, oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. So yeah. cool. Like, so cool. Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So cool. Yeah. And yeah. Tim I mean, Redron. That's who we got to try and. We got to get Tim get him on here. Yeah. He's, he's actually hard. made a, he's actually made a few top fives on this actually. Yeah, uh, totally. Which is, which is kind of nice because it was, again, it was one of those names where I forget who it was the first person to put him in the top five. I was like, Oh my God, how did I forget about that fucking guy? Yeah. Right. And now it's been like, multiple people have brought and not older tattooers like some younger tattooers have brought up that name and i'm like god damn yeah there's so many good fucking tattooers out there that we just no one can draw like him no one like he's like it's a he's on a a totally different level you know um yeah i just i I don't think there's anybody in his category you know, so you should get him on. He'll do it. Yeah, yeah, it'd be awesome. You can put okay. in a good word for us. Yeah, I will. I'll reach out. I'll drop your name. We'll ta- we'll tag him in this post. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, you should. You should. <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my god, this was awesome. Thank you so much, Phil. Yeah. Yeah, we really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah I hope uh, just shooting the shit, and learning a bit about you has been great. If yeah, before you. Uh, you hang up, Phil, I'm just going to ask you to leave your your computer on so it uploads a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no worries. It was great getting to know Curly and this amazing guy that tattooed with one arm. You know, the customer had to stretch his own skin. So I did get blood poisoning from him twice. Twice? Yeah. <laughs> twice? <laughs>like, am I supposed to stop tattooing? Because if this is what I'm supposed to aspire to, <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Each one of these old masters influenced groups of tattooers who in turn influenced other groups of tattooers.